Today is Thursday, November 8th, 2012, and this is Radio Wave. it that we would say would be the widow who's the bride of Christ his people and what is sad when a nation that thrived on Christian principles and his people flourished by such making an exceptional blessing an exceptional nation through this grace because of his people where God's love dies in the heart where God is no longer in the first place the church the bride of Christ can also be applied in the way the people live what they divorce themselves from and the nation go with them Did you wake up yesterday with bad news on your doorstep? Our Lady of Medjugorje has all the solutions for us this day. This is a special Radio Wave broadcast with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Of course, Tuesday late, if you stayed up, November 6th, or woke up the next morning and heard the news, many people were shocked. We were saddened, but we were not shocked. In fact, we foresaw this coming because we believe what Our Lady said. And this is written along around April and they fired the first shot. It's probably about a third of the way into the book. 950 or so pages. What the rest of the book is about is where we go from here. And what was written was very accurate, exactly as it unfolded. We can say the other two-thirds of the book will tell you what we're about to enter into and where we're headed and where this president deems to take us. Handcuffed, chained, 
and bound. Very few understand the gravity of what just happened. And though we follow this, we can say physical experiences surpass what you might even know in your heart. And it's going to be far worse than what we can imagine. But to bring this in proper context of how we know this, it's because we here believe Our Lady's words. And when she says it, we apply that to what circumstances that surround us, to what she meant by it. And to see where we are with this election today, we need to go back 30 years from August 2nd, 2011, in which Our Lady gave a message, a great struggle is about to unfold between my son and Satan. Human souls are at stake. What does that mean today for us? 30 years to the day. August 2nd, 2011. A little over a year ago, Our Lady says, you cannot stop the evil that wants to begin to rule in this world and to destroy it. But according to God's will, all together, and with my son, you can change everything and heal the world. Can we see that moment now? According to God's will, all together, with my son, you can change and heal the world. We're not there yet. What is it going to take for us to get to that point that together with God, we can change everything and heal the world? We're not there. We're going to have to go through the furnace. We're going to have to something unite us as a people, as a church. We've still got people prominent in the Catholic Church and Protestant churches that are for atrocious sins. What galvanizes us? What puts us together? Our Lady gave a message once that said, I bring you to a new time, a time when you'll know God more. What are those times we know God more? When trials come our way. But let's go from August 2nd to 2011, or rather from 2011, to February 2nd, 2012. Something happened between August 2nd of 2011, between that time, a few months later, to February 2nd in 2012. The first message of August says, you cannot stop the evil that wants to begin to rule. Our Lady was identifying something, showing us something, that He wants to begin to rule. And to do what? To destroy the world. It's an amazing message. And so what happened on February 2nd, 2012? Something incredible. Our Lady said, Pride has come to rule. We believe that. I believe that. I stake my life on it. Because the lady said it. So where do we look and where do we turn? How do we understand where is evil? What is ruling? Who's got the most powerful position on the face of the earth? Is that sanctified? Is it holy? Is that position, that position producing something very good? 
And if not, what is it producing? What does it show us? They fire the first shot is very straightforward. That we do not know our enemy. And we do not know ourselves. The health care legislation was so critical that we defeat. And that was written in the book that if you don't stop it here, it will be on the doors of the church steps next. You might say that is. No, it's not. You can't imagine what it's going to be like when it's entered into the church. This puts it at the front door. And we either stand here and fight this now and defeat it. When we're the strongest and have the greatest ability to do so. Or we go to the shackles. We go to the Colosseums. It's your choice. You can say that emphatically. Because if you believe in apparitions, you believe our lady's coming. She said that. You can't stop it as individuals. Actually, she says, as individuals, you cannot stop the evil that wants to begin to rule this world and to destroy it. She's not here to tell us something in exaggeration or a joke. It's something of great seriousness. And now, we're under the mandate of the message that progressed from that point that said, Proud, I've read the pride, has come to rue, February 2nd. 2012, this year. And Tuesday we saw something incredible. The manifestation of what we saw was coming our way. And really no way it could happen. But there's going to be no way individually we could stop it because we were going the wrong methods. We thought we could do it with a vote. Again, that's written about and talked about and they fired the first shot. It's a whole manual of everything we're going through now and in the future. That's why the book and the presses can't stop here. It's running 24 hours a day, except for Sunday. Because we can't even keep enough. We're having to outsource some of the printing now. We can't keep up with it. And for those who read it and see the currentness of what it says and what is coming, we expect it to go through the roof now. So what we want to do tonight is prove what we're saying. We want to show you that by the time of this end of this broadcast, maybe you'll be strengthened in what I'm telling you and what we've lived and what Our Lady's telling us and why we can so boldly say the things that to know your enemy is to know who that enemy is. Obama is the enemy to Christianity. What he does and his actions. You may not think I can say it's intrinsically evil. But by the time we finish tonight, you'll be saying it. Paul Kingor was the author of many books on Ronald Reagan. He himself has written some really good books. And I've read a lot of things and to really be kept up to date on everything, you've got to be constantly reading. We get transcripts, people send us things, we hear of different people, people in the conservative world saying this, Christians. But they're getting something handed to them. They're not really going in depth in themselves and really, really reading and really comparing and really researching on a personal level. 
that you can add biblical worldview, the message worldview, and see things that's not there and what those people may be thinking or saying. But as far as the church, the conservatives, they still don't get it. There's not the proper perspective in understanding what's happening. So to know who is your enemy, to understand that, we've got two clips that we want to play, this interview by Paul Kingor in a book that he wrote about a man named Frank Marshall. Frank Marshall mentored Obama as a teenager. He formed him. He spent several years with him. This man, that you're about to find out, was an ardent communist. It's not opinion. It's documented. Is the documentation credibility? You decide. Is the FBI credible to say that they got 600 pages plus of documentation that this man was a full-fledged, card-carrying communist? And that Obama writes very fondly of him, was formed by him? So tonight we want to start off to give you a foundation of who really is Obama. What is, what is behind him? King Gore interviews a man by the name of John Drew. John Drew was an ardent communist, a Marxist. And he and Obama were friends. And they both met at Occidental College, College in California. And so this interview we're going to begin starts with that and some brief statements about Frank Marshall. But joining us right now is uh, Dr. John Drew, who, um, John, are you there? Uh, yes, Paul. Good to hear your voice. You read a piece that I wrote, um, I think it was for American Thinker, and it was called Dreams from Frank Marshall Davis. Yes. And, and it was on Obama's uh, background, his, his youth, and uh, Frank Marshall Davis... Um, Frank Marshall Davis was, was an actual party member. Uh, I mean, that's something that I spent two or three years, John, investigating, but uh, there's no question about it. I mean, the documentation is there. A 1957 Senate report called him an identified member of, of the Communist Party, unquote. Um, there, there's an FBI file that's 600 pages. I, I, I took 10 or 12 pages of it and put in the appendix of my book, including uh, one page which lists his actual Communist Party card number, which was 47544. So, so very clear. And you know, why is all of this relevant? Well, I, I think it helps to explain to some degree um, why the president, if he's you know, not a communist, is at least very far to the left and, and, and you know, has some, some you know, very left-oriented views. But, but you, you met Obama when he left Frank Marshall Davis in Hawaii around 1980 and went off to Occidental College. So, so tell us uh, when you got there, when Obama got there, and, and, and how you met. Well, I, I see myself as the missing link between uh, Barack Obama's exposure to communi communism with Frank Marshall Davis and then his later exposure to, uh, say, Bill Ayers and Alice Palmer in Chicago. Right. So I, I'm, I think intellectually I'm, I'm the, the one, one of the, I, as far as I can tell, the only person in Obama's 
uh, extended circle of friends who's who's willing to speak out and verify that he was he was a Marxist Leninist uh, in his sophomore year of college from 1980 to 1981. I met him because I graduated from Occidental College in 1979, okay. and I was back at uh, Occidental vi- visiting a girlfriend uh, relationship that I had started. Uh, my, my senior year of college at Occidental. So Occidental College is in uh, the sort of eastern Los Angeles area. Okay. And it's just a very uh, prestigious, very beautiful uh, sort of garden, rose garden setting kind of a co- a college. It, it has maybe uh, Three, four thousand students. Uh, just very small liberal arts college, and, and pretty competitive. I mean, Obama would have had to have had good grades and been a good student to get accepted there in the first place. Yeah, my sense is because of affirmative action, guys like me were going to Occidental instead of going to even better schools, mm-hmm. and guys like uh, Obama were were going to Occidental instead of like like less challenging schools. Mm-hmm. So it was. It, it's, there's, there's a lot of very successful people uh, who were there, part of Obama's social circle at the time. Now, now, would would there have been was Occidental known for radical left politics? Would that uh, have been yeah. an attraction to Obama? Um, I, I'm I'm certain that it it was. It, it was considered sort of the the Moscow of Southern California when I was there. Uh, mm-hmm. There were a lot of Marxist professors, uh, many of, of whom I got to know pretty well, not only at, at Occidental College, but later when I was teaching at Williams College in Massachusetts, I, I had two of the same, you know, basically socialist Marxist professors on the staff with me at, at Williams. Mm. And uh, so so that that might have been an attraction to him. I, I mean, what, what, I'm trying to think, what would have made him go to... Uh, to go from Hawaii to Occidental, of all things. And, and so do you think Frank Marshall Davis could have somehow been involved in suggesting Occidental? You know, I, I don't have any evidence of that right, right. Or, or any way. Because they won't release his records at Occidental. I called them. They won't release them. Yeah, I think that's odd. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I got straight A's my first year at Occidental College, mm-hmm. which... I don't normally talk about Paul because it sounds weird, but <laughs> you you would think if Obama did well at Oxy, he'd, he'd release those transcripts. What, what, what do you think? Now, this is speculation, but yeah. I mean, could it could it be that that those files might hold a letter of recommendation from Frank Marshall Davis? Wow! Right? I mean, why not? He Davis was a mentor to Obama. Obama writes about him about him in Dreams from My Father very warmly. In fact, Obama says in Dreams from My Father that he said Davis gave me advice on on, on women, on race, on life, on college. So, yeah. so I mean, he must have recommended Occidental and and maybe possibly even wrote a letter. But it, it's sad that we have to speculate. If they would just release these records, then then we wouldn't have to speculate. Well, I know what I I know absolutely for sure, and and this is where I I I really sought you out, and I wanted to be helpful in terms of the historic record was was to verify that Barack Obama was definitely a, a Marxist and that that he 
it was very unusual for a sophomore at Occidental to be as radical or as ideologically attuned as young Barack Obama was. Hmm. So I, I, I think people like Remnick, David Remnick right. and The Bridge. Just wrote a huge book, it, yeah, The Bridge. Mm-hmm. They make it sound as if Frank Marshall Davis had no impact at all on I Obama yeah, and yeah. that Obama's friend Mohammed Shandu somehow converted him to Marxism at Occidental College. And my impression is that Obama was the leader of that group and that Obama was already very, uh, as I've said, ardent and committed to Marxism. And Shandu actually struck me as somewhat more passive. Um, and so it, it doesn't fit the story that I that I read in Remnick's book, The Bridge. Yeah, I, and, and, and Remnick did, did not contact you to interview you, did he? No, no. I, I, he, yeah, he why won't they do that? You know, why the, you know why they won't, John? Because they don't want to hear what you have to say. Well, Remnick <laughs> interviewed my old girlfriend, uh, Caroline Boss. She's oh. on three, four pages, and they, uh, they interviewed a guy named Gary Chapman, who was active in the Democrat Student Alliance. Okay. Let me ask you just, just one thing here. Uh, so, so you said that Obama was introduced to you at Occidental College um, as a Marxist, because you, you were one at that point. Yeah, that's embarrassing for me, but I, I, was def- I had studied Marxist economics when I was at the University of Sussex in England. I, I had a junior year scholarship over there, and I did my senior honors thesis on Marxist economics when I was at, at Occidental College. Hmm. So I and I also founded that Democratic Student Socialist Alliance, you know, under a different name in 1976. So, so, so that's the name that you founded it as, Democratic. I, yeah, I was inexperienced. I called it the Political Awareness Fellowship. Okay. This was, and then uh, they so, changed So it, it wasn't called the Karl Marx Club or anything like that? Uh, it, it, it was as Marxist as you could get, but I, but they, they came up with the more general uh, Democrat-Socialist alliance while I was away in, 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 in England. So Democratic Student-Socialist Alliance. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, cutting in between the, the several different segments of this, but um, uh, as this progresses here, just a, just a question is that uh, the, the danger, of course, there is a number of Catholics, a number of Christians out there that may not necessarily see the danger of Marxism uh, or uh, socialist, uh, socialistic, uh, socialist democracies. And can you just give us a brief, uh, something very brief about uh, the danger of Marxism in our world or the danger of the socialist democratic movement? Well, we can look to Our Lady for this. Our Lady came to Fatima and said that unless Russia is consecrated to, and actually, Sister Lucy confirmed it's really the whole world, but Russia particularly, unless Russia is consecrated to her immaculate heart, she would spread her errors throughout the whole world. Russia failed, but her errors still continue in this country, and they're actually prospering and growing. And communism is not over even though the Soviet Union has fallen. And so we looked to Our Lady who said that communism wouldn't, Portugal would be protected from that. And actually the communists did take over. I think it lasted only 11 days. It was probably in the 70s. I don't know. I'm not accurate on the dates. It's just from something I read a long time ago in the past. And Portugal was protected from that because of Our Lady's apparitions there. Ivan himself has said that Our Lady, one of the plans that she came to him was to for the fall of communism. I remember standing on Maria's front porch 
after talking, I was talking to my group after everybody left, and Maria was standing behind me. And I was talking about communism and thought nothing of it because we were really free. We didn't feel like we were in a communist country because Medjugorje, by then, they'd gone through the trials, the fire, and the, and the communists were making money on this. In fact, the communists at that time, uh, Vlasto was a communist. He was bringing and managing our group. We had to, we had to, because the, the government ran it. So when we were first taking our flights, we flew in airlines, which was communist. So we were very used to being around them. But because they were making money, they were uh, accepting of certain things. And at the same time, one, one time one told me, we will rule the world when I was having lunch with them. And uh, this was from this Vlasto guy. But anyway, standing on the front porch, I said something about communism. Our lady stopping it. And when I walked in, Maria turned to me. She said, I'm going to see you in jail. It really struck me because we were in a, a loud zone of Medjugorje foreigners becoming that they tolerate certain things. But she still had that mentality, a, a real truthful mentality. You'll go to jail for saying something like that. So we're still propagating these bad seeds that's been planted. This is still growing. And there's no question that Obama said he wants to fundamentally transform this nation and as we progress out of this interview, we've got another few minutes with it, we'll see that he really is this. He's not letting go of his ideas. John Drew, and this is not an interview here, John Drew said he left these ideologies. He, he's embarrassed he ever was at. He's now conservative, as he said, Baptist, going to church. But he said Obama never changed. He's never renounced these things. He's actually never left the ideologies. He's really espouses them. He says, if you look at his policies, you'll see that this man still holds on to these things. As you'll hear, he's, he's radical. And everything in reflection shows he's a radical Marxist. Nobody ever would imagine we would have elected a president for this. And now, now that he's in his second term, he's unleashed. Pride wants to come through the world. January 1st, 2000. Now when Satan's unleashed, And her answer only is that you have to consecrate, your, consecrate, consecrate yourself to her heart and heart of her son. So the rest of this interview, you'll see very clearly that this man sincerely had the records. He's been to college, and he's a testimony. He says, as he said, he's the link, because everybody else is scared to speak. From the previous segment, uh, Dr. John Drew who knew uh, President Obama when he wasn't President Obama, of course, uh, way back at Occidental College. Uh, Obama was already an ardent Marxist when I met him in the fall of 1980. I know it's incendiary to say this, um, but he was basically a Marxist-Leninist. You said how Obama and dreams from my father noted that he had, quote, hung out with Marxist professors, but what Obama did not explain in that book or clarify is that he was in 100% total agreement with those Marxist professors. Yeah, that's exactly right. Hmm. You, you, you got that. He, Obama believed at the time I met him, uh, this was probably around Christmas time in 1980, uh, young Obama was looking forward to an imminent social revolution, hmm. uh, literally a, a movement where the working classes would overthrow the ruling class and institute a kind of socialist, utopia in wow. the United States. I mean, that's how extreme 
his his views were uh, his sophomore year of college. Hmm. And and uh, I mean, you would know this because you were you know a comrade, so to speak. Right? Yeah, I was I was a comrade, but I I was kind of more what Michael Savage called the Frankfurt School of Marxism mm-hmm. at the time, and that I I was. You know, I felt like I was doing Obama a favor by pointing out that that Marxist revolution that he and Caroline and Chandu were hoping for was really kind of a pipe dream, mm-hmm. and that there was nothing in European history or the history of developed nations that would, would make that sort of fantasy, you know, Frank Davis Marshall fantasy of revolution come true. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you, I mean, so you really, you had a realistic sense that even though maybe you like these ideas, it really couldn't happen or it really wouldn't even work. Right. I, I was more with uh, Herbert Marcuse and, and others who, who were puzzled at why you didn't see Marx's predictions come true and, and were interested in maybe the role of psychology uh, in preventing or, or false consciousness in preventing a revolution from happening. So I, I was still a card-carrying Marxist, but I, I was kind of a, a more advanced. But 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 Obama thought it was practical. He thought that oh, you could yeah. actually make this happen in in America. Oh yeah, and he he kind of thought I was sort of uh, you know a little reactionary. Yeah, you were little, conservative compared to him. Yeah, like I was kind of insensitive to the needs of the coming revolution. So I, that's that's why I said he he was full bore a hundred percent into that very kind of simple minded Marxist revolutionary mental framework. And and now, and now this gets to a critical point, and, and I know people who are listening right now want me to address this, and especially people who are, yeah. who are Obama supporters. Uh, t- to be fair, I mean, look at where you were then, and now where you where you are today. Well, yeah, now I'm a, a Ronald Reagan. Church-going Baptist conservatives. Okay, so what about Obama? That's the million, or I should say, the trillion-dollar question. Uh, so, so where do you think he is today? And and people listening who are angry that we're even having this conversation, look, you don't want us to talk about this because you don't like what it says about Obama's past. But we have to know this stuff about our presidents. We have to know where they came from. You, you can't leave this out of out of biographies and maybe even if you want to say it doesn't apply anymore you can't leave it out of the narrative uh so but but where do you think what do you think it says about him today uh dr drew well i i think that i you know i've challenged president obama to go ahead and to explain how he evolved out of that marxist leninist perspective that i observed in his sophomore year of college and I, I just never—he's just never articulated how he changed. Mm. And in fact, he's kind of buried, and I think lied about that ideological convictions, uh, you know, of of his youth all the all the way. I mean, we can trace it right up to Alice Palmer, I think, in 1995. That's that's the senator in Illinois that he replaced. Yeah, who attended a communist party. Politburo event, or I mean, she was part of the big international communist. And, and and also too, should note that Alice Palmer was the person with Obama in the living room of Bill Ayers and Bernardine Dorn yeah. when when there that the New York Times even wrote about this, where, where there was a sort of a, a blessing, a political blessing, um, where where Palmer identified Obama as her chosen successor, and Ayers and Dorn sort of gave their blessing. So I, I think I can definitely kick down some doors here intellectually by by nailing down that 
that he had a very consistent ideology, I think, probably from the time he was at Punahou until he, he's there with Alice Palmer and Bill Ayers in Chicago. I think his current behavior um, demonstrates that he does still have these ideological convictions. Whenever he talks about uh, taxing the richest 2%, mm-hmm. I think even though he knows that will harm the economy or you know, to him, uh, that redistribution of wealth is still extremely important. And I, I think the problem here is he never studied political science or economics the way yeah. I did. He just went straight to law school. Right, right. No, he, no real-world experience. Right. He's never had any real business experience, never had a payroll to meet. And I think he's still, he's locked in. So... John Drew's testimony has to be taken for what what it says. He's got the history there. Paul Gingrich is a a respected author. And you take that information and you say, okay, what am I going to do with it? Well, you look at his actions. What has Obama done? Where is he headed? They fired the first shot. We'll give you the insights of where this is headed. But also by what Obama has said... In his 2008 elections, at his um, acceptance speech, uh, the Democratic acceptance speech, I think it was July 3rd, was it June 3rd, rather? June 3rd, 2008. He was telling us about his time. He was telling us something that mimics Our Lady. You have to realize, whenever God comes and acts, and comes to speak to the world, and comes and does what Our Lady does, he will parallel that somehow, some fashion, some way. And it's up to us to know the enemy, the devil, how he'll do that. So this is what Obama said in his acceptance speech. America, this is our moment. This is our time. Our Lady said... On January 25th, 1997, this is my time. Yet Obama says, this is our moment. This is our time. He's speaking on behalf of those who are with him, our. When the demons came up to Jesus, they would say, why have you persecuted us? Us. Our. But Jesus says, I. He's speaking from himself. Our Lady says, this is my time. Obama says, this is our moment. And this is our time. There's a conflict here. Is Obama with the Christian walk? Is he following the principles of Judeo-Christian values? Our Lady's words versus his words have to be seen in that light. This is our moment. This is our time, Obama says. Our Lady says, this is my time. Our Lady, in the same message on January 25th, 1997, says, I invite you to reflect about your future. You are creating a world without God, only with your own strength. That is why you're unsatisfied and with that joy in the heart. This time is my time. 
America, this is our moment. This is our time. Our time to turn the page on the policies of the past. So policies of the past, what what is he turning from? What policies have we had in the past? The policies of this nation is that the civil government principles are to be indissolubly bonded to Christian principles. We're to turn away from that. We're to be led from that. That's what he's doing. Are we to turn away from the policies of the past of DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act? It's law. They couldn't get Congress to stop it. So what does Obama do? He tears Eric Holder, or tells Eric Holder, that the Justice Department don't enforce it. He's above the law. This is a law passed. It's in place. And they said, we will not enforce DOMA, the defense of marriage. Why? Because they're turning away from the policies of the past. It is intrinsically evil and massively arrogant to be redefining marriage. It's doubly so if you're in position of authority. Or triple the double graveness if you're the President of the United States of America. Why? Because it is God who has intervened, or rather intervened, and defined the structure and perimeters of marriage. Not the President. Man, and particularly this President, makes his redefinition of marriage superior to God himself. That's scary. Because Herod did the same thing. Making decisions reserved only for God until, until he claimed that he was godlike at one point, which his gut spilled out full of worms. And he died an agonizing death. This is in the scriptures. Read it. So Obama's statement, our time to turn the page on the policies of the past. Turn away from the policies of the past about abortion. Obama's full endorsement with that restrictions to be for comfort rooms. Joe Stanek, an interview in the book, they find the first shot, tells us, before Obama and his committee, it's a senator. Of her story, not realizing why she was working in a hospital, that she found a baby when she went into a janitor's closet dying because it survived an abortion. She testified to this in front of Obama, who is the only senator that defended it. Later, when she came back, another year or so, a month, whenever it was in the next session, she was before him again. And he says, well, we come up with the comfort rooms. And the comfort room was a nice room with a rocking chair, where they could take the last photo of the baby in case the mother ever wanted it later. And they rocked the baby to death. No medical attention. No feeding. They'd just hold it. They'd take a footprint, give it a birth certificate. And they did this, they said, they told you, in case the parents ever wanted it later. So if they thought two or three years later, they'd have a photograph of the baby. They'd have his footprint. And Obama defended that. All the other senators that were for abortion wouldn't dare touch it. Only he would do it. And you tell me this is not intrinsically evil? 
to turn away from what we've held as sacred in the past to these new policies? And now turn away the policies of conscientious objection. We've never had that in this country. Never, ever. You can't violate one's conscience. You can't make them do something against their religion. But if you're God, or at least if you think you're God, you can do that. Our time to turn the page on the policies of the past. Our time to bring new energy and new ideas to the challenges we face. So Satan always has this plan of the presentation of a new knowledge. Obama says, new energy and new ideas. It's our time for this. But it's just what Satan did himself, a new knowledge that he wanted to present in the Garden of Eden to Eve. A new idea, a new power that he convinced Eve to take. You can be like God with this new energy to face down the challenges of God's restrictions upon you. Incredible. Our time to bring new energy, new ideas. Our Lady said on November 25th, 1987, Pray that Satan does not entice you with his pride and deceptive strength. You want to be a little more relevant? Let's go to February 2nd. 2012, this year, pride has come to rule. 87, pray that Satan does not entice you with his pride and deceptive strength. What are we to think of these things? Meditate. Read our last messages. Do what she said. I invite you to reflect upon your future. You're creating a new world without God, only with your own strength. And that is why you're unsatisfied and without joy in the heart. This is my time. Our time to bring new energy and new ideas to the challenges we face. Our time to offer a new direction. Our time to offer a new direction. Just again, as in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were offered a new direction. But our lady tells us, on October 2nd, 1992, it is that in this time, Satan is strong. He desires to change your direction. Also, my plans of peace, he wishes to destroy. We don't have to worry about who's right, who's wrong. These are diametrically opposed ideologies. And if we look at what our lady's ideology is and what Obama's is, we see two opposites. You've got to decide if they're together or they can mesh together, they can be compromised together, or they can work together on the same level playing field or give the equal weight to it, or that they're separate, that there's a great decision to make, that there's a great divisive void between the two. Her messages show this. If you believe in them, you've got to not believe the other. Or rather, maybe I take that back. You got to believe the other, but you got to see the distance between this vast abyss between Our Lady's words and Obama's words. May 25th, 1987. You're ready to commit sin. How? Obama says, Our time to offer a new direction. Our Lady's words, You are ready to commit sin and to put yourselves in the hands of Satan without reflecting. I call on each one of you to consciously decide for God against Satan. This abyss, 
this crevice that's going wider and splitting further and further apart. This is the moment. We are in the hour. Something changed November 6th. Not anything on the past people are on, but what will manifest. You will see things rapidly change from this point. And of course, August 2nd, about this new direction, 2011, as individuals, my children, you cannot stop the evil that wants to begin to rule in this world and destroy it. Obama states a time for a new direction. Our Lady said, I would like this time to be the time of decision. Make a decision, dear children, to follow me. Follow me. I cannot do anything. And I want to do, I want to do a lot, but I cannot do it without you. Our Lady, through her messages, has shown and taught us that freedom brings with it choices. We have the freedom to choose, but it is here where the division lies within our nation. Two Americas are clearly manifesting themselves, one growing in light and one growing in darkness. A wider and deeper abyss grows to separate the two. It is evident everywhere. We hold the keys to peace. Read Two Americas, a 25-page booklet by a friend of Medjugorje, and see how you can unlock the door to save our nation. Order on medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on Medjmart, or by calling in the U.S. 205-672-2000. The Virgin Mary revealed at Medjugorje that had she not come, the world would have destroyed itself. As the world continues to spin out of control along with the lives of many, is there any sanity left? Is there any direction left? Do Christians understand in fullness the truth about the world in which we live? A friend of Medjugorje, founder of Caritas of Birmingham, who has written more on Our Lady's messages than anyone in the world, will be speaking throughout Louisiana, November 12th through the 15th, in Natchitoches, Alexandria, Bro Bridge, and Lake Charles. For information or for directions, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com. Again, medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com. A friend of Medjugorje speaking in Louisiana, November 12th through the 15th. Visit medj.com for information or call Caritas, 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. The solution for the United States is found in They Fired the First Shot, 2012. The newest book by a friend of Medjugorje. They Fired the First Shot 2012 shows how Obama has strategized to handle the U.S. bishops, how Christians don't know their rights, what will happen if we don't change the path we are on, why people who would never speak of revolution are doing so now, and it's not with a sword and bow. They Fired the First Shot 2012, a non-fiction by a friend of Medjugorje, available from Amazon.com, Medj.com spelled M-E-J.com, or by calling Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. They Fired the First Shot 2012.
You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Fire is the devil's only friend. Oh, and as I watched him on the stage, my hands were clenched in fists of rage. No angel born in hell could break that Satan's It's amazing that we see flames really rising across our nation. And yet the apathy, the lack of voting, the fraudulent things that happened. I know there's things we've read on some transcripts that they dispelled that there was massive fraud. But all the evidence is there. Eric Holder has spent months going to every state, including Texas and others, who tried to have an ID law passed, said it was unconstitutional. This is there. Those numbers aren't there. There was a report I read about a sheriff, or rather a policeman, who rode around all the precincts that he saw in 2008 was lined up with people all day long that were Obama precincts that had a little traffic in the morning, but no reason that time was there. He said he rode around on these. Other reports are out there. And they fired the first shot. We talk about massive fraudulent things that would be taking place. But if you know your enemy, and, you, and, and, and I'm amazed at all the people that's just generally conceded this, well, it's this many people have voted for Obama. You really believe that? If you identify your enemy, you identify he's evil, there's nothing he won't do. And so we just accept that this was a real vote. Those in the camp of, accept Christian, of accepting Christendom don't get it. There's no way for an, a, a person that would be the only senator in Illinois that would stand up for comfort rooms to kill babies and give them no attention, let them die, would not do anything to be reelected. When I pinned in the part about the selection fraud, looking at it, and they fired the first shot that what was coming, it was because of Obama himself. He could care less. He was still doing his vacations while everybody else was going through the candidates and um, Santorum and Herman Cain, all these people, all this, this huge effort. He just sat on the sidelines. He could care less. There was a nonchalant attitude, and it told me, looking at enemy, reading about what he was saying, it struck me, it dumbfounded me, this guy doesn't care. He knows he's going to get it. And when you research and you find out what's behind it, and the powers that be, and what's exposed there, there's no way this election was everybody was being honest. You will never convince me I'm not a conspiracy th uh, theorist. I don't go that way. I don't look for that. I only look at things that's wide open. You can go searching all these things and become, and become schizophrenic if you go that way. But there's something not right. And when evil rules, there's nothing evil won't do. 
to get reelected. There is no way in August that Ambassador asked for help because they saw an intimate attack upon Benghazi in Libya, the embassy. To allow that, and you're running for president, you think you're going to have the goofs that happen and that, and they're just goof-ups? No way. It's calculated. Just reason and think. How could it be that after that, and even some of the SEALs that went there sent out the day before what was coming out and put it on public forums because they knew it would be erased. How come Libya's president said the day it happened that this was not a riot, that this was an attack, and everybody ignored that? And now we find out that the SEALs had called for help. They fought seven hours. In the last moments, they were killed. Help was one hour away. Think these things through. Isaiah says, Come reason with me, says the Lord. And they were turned down three times? This is only what we do know. But if you know your enemy, you know that nobody running for president would dare let this happen. Except maybe it was for something else. Because all the conservatives, all the people said, we got Obama now. And that's where all their attention was. What was going on behind the scenes? What was this covering up? Because I guarantee it's a cover up. Trayvon Martin covered up Obama's May 16th executive order. And that executive order puts a noose around your neck. You've been had. And if you don't believe that, if you read They Find the First Shot, you're going to see you're had. And he's already implementing this. Today, I guarantee you there's been meetings about turning on something as easy as you turn on a light switch to enact. Everything's in place for a radical agenda of what John Drew just exposed in his interviews with Paul Gengor. People, is there. Our lady said to be ready. Do you think for one moment that after 30 years of apparitions, that lady's just coming to say, I want you to pray, be nice little children? Be ready for what? Evil wants to begin to rule the world and destroy it. And pride has come to rule. I thought it strange that in August two thousand, or rather August August second, two thousand and eleven, our says, evil wants to begin to rule. We know evil is father. The father of lies is Lucifer himself. And I did think it a little bit odd when Our Lady said, February second, two thousand twelve, pride has come to rule. She changed it. She didn't say evil. Why did she say that? Because Satan is pride. And if we were to read the signs of the times, look around, dear children, and see the signs of the times. If we were to look around and see those things, we can see what happened on the June 3rd, 2008 Democratic acceptance speech when Obama said something godlike. He had the stage up there. He had everything to make him look like God. There's an aurora presented around him. The references he said on that day were incredible. It's really, to this day, hard to believe that somebody could say this and it's so full of pride. Pride has come to rule. 
so filled with intrinsic evil and the ideologies and, the, and their directives that a man would say such as what he said at the Democratic Convention acceptance speech. This was the moment when the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. So this is our time, my lady says. This is the moment Obama says. This is our time. And he adds at the last of that speech, this is the moment when the rise of the ocean began to slow and our planet began to heal. February 2nd, 2012. What does our lady say about this? Pride has come to rue. So Obama can slow the oceans? His appointment, his divine appointment of destiny? Because it's divine. It's very divine. How is it divine? Because his source of power. As a narcissist, as somebody so stuck on himself, opens it up to pride. That Lucifer can deal with this. Will anybody say this about a president? But what did anybody say about Hitler? Oh, is that going too far? You won't after you see it and they fired the first shot. It's not opinion, it's fact, it's there. His words, Hitler's words. Read them. And so, this great nation, Obama wants to remake. To reflect what? Christ, his principles, his ways, not at all. This was the moment when the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. This was the moment, this was the time when we came together to remake this great nation so that it may always reflect our very best selves. So that it might remake, or rather together remake, and always reflect our very best selves. Our lady says just the opposite. It's not ourselves. She says February 15, 1988, be a reflection of Jesus. It's not reflect our best selves. It's to be a reflection of Jesus. And a nation that does that will prosper. Will renew themselves. But it's our lady who tells us. You're creating a whole new world with that God as if you're your own creator. You're not satisfied. Because you've done this with your own strength. January 25th, 1997. I invite you to reflect about your future. Obama wants you to reflect on your best very selves. Our, Mary, our lady, says, I invite you to reflect on your, about your future. You are creating a new world without God only with your own strength. We want to do this to an election? Our lady goes on and says, and that is why you're unsatisfied and without joy. This is my time. Can you imagine? Satan must be watching the words, watching what our lady's saying. That our lady says in the same message reflect about your future and you're doing this with your own strength, a world without God, and she ends that with this is my time. That Obama says this is my moment. Together we can remake this great nation so that it may reflect our very best selves. These things are in conflict. There are two sides to pick from. You've got to decide which one you're going to pick.
which one you're going to go with. It's our latest time. Prayed from within cloistered convents to inside the Pentagon. From dangerous military fields around the globe to the quietness of the bedroom and field where Our Lady appeared to the Medjugorje Visionary Maria here in Caritas. The Patriotic Rosary, a powerful prayer for divine protection and mercy for our nation and its rebirth. Gather your family and friends and pray the Patriotic Rosary together, consecrating our nation back to God. Once you've heard this rosary, you'll long to pray it often, praying that our nation remains one nation under God. Order the Patriotic Rosary on medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on MedgeMart, or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. It was the word they were all afraid to say. Just to speak it would mean certain death. Revolution. The brave men in 1776 knew very well the cost of freedom. Do we know it today? While we allow ourselves to be managed by a surrogate system of government, are we willing to do what they did? They fired the first shot 2012 by a friend of Medjugorje, a book that has helped thousands in a few short weeks make the decision to throw off the chains of tyranny and find freedom. They fired the first shot 2012, available from Amazon.com or on Medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call us in the U.S. 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. They fired the first shot 2012. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. And I asked her for some happy news But she just smiled and turned away I went down to the sacred store Where I'd heard the music years before But the man there said the music wouldn't play in the streets the children screamed The lovers cried and the poets dreamed But not a word was spoken The church bells all were broken And the three men I admire most The Father, Son and the Holy Ghost They caught the last train for the coast The day the music died And they were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Bye. 
This'll be the day that I die They were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie We just saw something at the Democratic convention that was extraordinary. Publicly, a total rejection of God himself. It's frightening. Our lady says, don't be afraid of the future. We don't have to live in fear. But we can be in fear for the people's salvation and their souls, and that's what we need to reach out to. They don't know what awaits them, these poor sinners, these poor wretches. Three times they tried to get the people to give enough yay sound in their yes versus the nay, and they couldn't do it. The nays got louder at each one. The officials taking the vote says they accepted it. It was a lie. You can listen to the, trans, or the, the soundtrack of that. But there's a rejection of God taking place now. And there's acceptance of others taken toward God. We have a division. We see that between the two parties. And of course, the Republicans are publicly doing that. If they live by the platform, it'd be something really wonderful, but they don't. The establishment goes along with the games of the others. And maybe Jesus may even see them more nauseous than even the Democrats. At least they say what they're doing. Revelation says that. Let you yes be yes, you no know, be mo no. For you who are in the middle, I spew you out of my mouth. When I write my books, I always put in the front of it an acknowledgement. I feel because these messages are from a lady, we don't have the liberty to say or to give acknowledgement to anybody. Not to me, not to our mission, not to someone else. But in this acknowledgement, in these books that we put out, I always write, God alone deserves the credit for the publication of this book. It is from Him that the messages are allowed to be given through Our Lady to all mankind. He alone deserves the praise and honor. Saul Alinsky wrote a book called Alinsky's Ruse for Radicals. He also writes an acknowledgement. There's no gray zone between my statement and acknowledgement and his statement and acknowledgement. Michael Reagan, Ronald Reagan's son, wrote a book, The New Reagan, Re Reagan Revolution, writes that Alinsky draw his radical inspirations from the devil himself. Is that an exaggeration? He goes on and says, on the dedication page of his home book, or rather on his book, Alinsky writes, quote, Least we forget, at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement of the very first radical from all legends, mythology, and history. The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. Chilling? Yes. But even more chilling, who abides by this book and who has read it? 
Who are they? Barack Obama and Michelle Obama themselves. Michael Reagan writes, Zelensky's ruse for radicals sets forth an agenda for organizing masses of people to impose radical change on society. Barack and Michelle Obama often employ a distinct code phrase from the opening lines of Rules for Radicals. What follows is for those who want to change the world from what it is to what they believe it should be. In his victory speech after the 2008-hour caucus, Kennedy Obama said that America's future would be determined by those, and this is a quote from Alinsky's book, who are not content to settle for the world as it is, who have the courage to remake the world as it should be. What did we just read? And what did we just hear Obama himself say? You just heard his own words. To remake this great nation. After the Vermont primary, Obama said that democracy begins with those, quote, out of Alinsky's book, who sees the world as it is and realize that we have within our power to remake the world as it should be, unquote. And Michelle Obama, at the Democratic Constitutional Convention, August 26, 2008, recalled that early in her husband's career, he talked about the world as it is, and the world as it should be. Even Barack Obama's signature campaign, Hope and Change, borrows from rules for radicals. The organizer's job is to inseminate an invitation for himself to aggregate, or rather agitate, and introduce ideas to get people impregnated with the hope and a desire for change. And again, Alinsky writes in his acknowledgement, least we forget, at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement of the very radical from all legends, mythology, and history. The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment did so effectively that at least it won him a kingdom, Lucifer. And so we have this. And we find ourselves face to face with a destiny that's been awaited for on the ages of Revelations chapter 12. The woman with the moon under her feet, clothed of the sun, a crown of stars, 12 stars about her head, who comes to do battle with the dragon. This is her time. This is the hour. I'm not saying it's even the Antichrist time. Because the lady said, December 25th, 1999, that a new possibility through prayer opens up this next century for peace. I believe it's our lady's hope. Her greatest desire that with us, not as individuals, but according to God's will, all together with my son, you can change everything and heal the world. She said that July 3rd. 2012, in the field of apparition at a consecration of the United States of America when she said, form and make prayer groups. 
and we will pray for your healing and the healing of this nation to draw closer to me and to God. The one spot in the country that a woman has appeared with the crown of 12 stars, clothed with the sun, as Ivan says, when she leaves in the light of the sun, here to do battle with the dragon. God, he just told us that you've been given great graces. You've been given a great responsibility. Meditate on these things. It's hard to believe we're alive at this moment. But if an Antichrist is going to rule, Our Lady's here to stop it. So that when the tribulation comes later, even though we may suffer severely, they'll know that we preceded them and went to the fire and through the messages of Our Lady, the medicine to heal the world, to heal this nation and go forth to the rest of the world was achieved by us who wed ourselves to the woman and made that decision decisively. Not as individuals, for you cannot stop the evil that wants to begin to rule this world and destroy it. But according to God's will, all together, with my son, you can change everything and heal this world because pride, she announced February 2nd, 2012, has come to rule. And July 3rd, 2012, form and make prayer groups and we will pray for your healing and the healing of this nation so it will draw closer to me or to God and to me. She is our hope. She's the dream of ages. She's the one that shows us to drop our egos, our pride, and to follow her, son, and be not a reflection of ourselves, the best of ourselves, but to be a best reflection of her son who's shown us the way. Carry your crosses, make some strong decisions in these next months, and don't think you have a lot of time. You don't. Now is the decide time. Now is the time for decision. This is her time. This is my time. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Good night.